Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Scapegoating the Constitution. Do you still remember the pre-coronavirus pandemic traffic jams that turned EDSA into a hellscape? And the panicky response of the authorities, which was to issue a unilateral, numbers-free memorandum that ordered the ban of provincial buses in EDSA on the grounds they were the major source of the jams. The provincial buses that performed a critical mobility function, they ferried the Promdi and the overseas Filipino workers who returned home, among other things, were less than 5% of the total EDSA vehicle presence at any given time then, but nonetheless pinpointed as the main cause of the hellish jams. EDSA's problem was, and still is, private vehicles, but the authorities had no guts to rein in their use. So they looked for scapegoats and conveniently found them in provincial buses. A judge who evaluated the data and looked for evidence that provincial buses were indeed the problem, based on a suit filed by the provincial operators, found none. The judge then told the authorities in a ruling that the ban did not serve the public good. In a sense, the good judge said that while traffic was indeed a nightmare, efficient carriers like provincial buses that made up a very small population of EDSA users should not be used as scapegoats. Banning the buses would not ease the traffic nightmare. That issue is moot and academic post-pandemic. The provincial buses get into their terminals, mainly in the Tsubao area, by using the side streets, technically skipping EDSA, a compromise solution. We, the poor Promdi who commute from the provinces to the metropolis, can live with that, given our high tolerance for pain and official abuse. But even without the provincial buses, EDSA remains a traffic nightmare, and the current holiday season is peak traffic season. The authorities are now without a scapegoat. Today's traffic is worse than when provincial buses were allowed on EDSA. The traffic emperors have no clothes. Looking back, that was a benign form of scapegoating. Today, those in power are scapegoating the, Constitution, the fundamental law of the land. The Constitution is being blamed for two malaise, economic and political, and the plan of the powerful is to gut the Constitution, supposedly to solve political and economic maladies. Never mind if our current woes, like losing our best and brightest people to migration and an economy desperately dependent on the money sent by people who work overseas, are not tangentially related to the Constitution. Right now, the prayer of most Filipinos is for the nefarious scheming to end up badly. The 1987 Constitution is not a perfect document. No fundamental law is. But there are many things that are universally commendable about it. Its Bill of Rights is its high point. Written after Ferdinand Marcos Sr. was ousted, it wrote whatever could be written to build the institutional guardrails against tyranny and one-man rule. It was a document that made human rights and democracy sacrosanct. The economic provisions ignored the diktat of the Washington Consensus and put in place equity and patrimony provisions without strangling investments and economic growth. In an act of supreme prescience, education was the only state concern named as the highest priority. Even before the word diversity became vogue in the political sphere, the membership of the Constitutional Commission, CONCOM, of 1986-87 was perhaps the most ideologically diverse group tasked to write the charter. There were institutionalists, political centrists, academics, health workers, a Jesuit, a peasant representative and an outstanding figure from Philippine culture and the arts. Jose Senseng Suarez, a Brahmin who devoted his life to the causes of the unfortunate, was the only Filipino to have voted no to both the 1971 and 1987 constitutions. But he was not the CONCOM's ideological purist. 
That was the late Lino Broca, yes, the internationally recognized movie director, who led the walkouts of the CONCOM's progressive bloc from the commission sessions whenever the bloc sensed that human rights, equity and justice provisions were getting a raw deal. Who filed the most resolutions, the de facto untiring workhorses of the CONCOM. The three contenders were Hilario David Jr., Blas F. Opel and law professor Jose Naldo. Not many people can still recall the many sessions devoted to the big debates at the CONCOM's committee on the legislative that focused on one critical issue, form of government. Here was how it went. Two blocs debated the merits of the presidential versus the parliamentary form of government, with Mr. David arguing for the latter and the group led by Ka Blas arguing for the former. The votes were evenly split in the first round of voting. I don't know where Ka Blas got the vote for a tiebreaker that enabled the presidential form to win by a single vote after the initial stalemate. Was it Ambrosio Patti Padilla, who got higher grades than Jose Rizal at the Ateneo and was also a basketball Olympian? Or was it Francisco Soc Rodrigo, whose nickname stood for Servant of Christ? Frustration was etched all over the face of Mr. David after his failed effort to push for the parliamentary form. Did Mr. David, who would later head the Supreme Court, foresee the emergence of a presidential candidate, Rodrigo Duterte in 2016, who would campaign with changing the form of government from presidential to parliamentary as his main policy flank? A brief aside, Patty Padilla and Soc Rodrigo had more brain power than three-quarters of the current senators. That Padilla got better grades than José Rizal at the Ateneo and represented the country in the 1936 Olympic Games is eminently true. Is the 1987 constitution so obsolete and ripe for major surgery like a patient etherized upon a table, to borrow a line from T.S. Eliot? That question is actually the wrong question. The question should be, how ahead of its time was the 1987 constitution? The 1987 Constitution was four decades ahead of the proponents of today's buzzwords, diversity, equity and inclusion, or day. The CONCOM drew its membership from towering constitutionalists, the Jesuit Joaquin Bernas and Cecilia Munoz Palma, also the president of the CONCOM, and ordinary Filipinos like health worker Minda Luz Quesada and peasant leader Jamie Tadeo. Vicente Faz and Napoleon Rama represented the fourth estate. Muslim Mindanao was amply represented while Pensiano Benigan represented the Cordilleras. No group of Filipinos named to carry out an urgent task for nation-building had the diversity of the CONCOM members. The provision on the multi-party system was designed to vest the political sphere with the broadest political representation. Its Bill of Rights was drawn from the Bill of Rights of the Most Humane Democracies. Again, it is worth pointing out that the Constitution highlighted the value of education, which was the only state mandate mentioned as the priority of the state. Had polity stood faithful to the constitutional edict, we would not have the 91% learning poverty we have today and we would not be among the global educational laggards. And we would be, because of our skilled workforce and highly educated young, the preferred destination of foreign investments. Nothing is wrong with the 1987 constitution. The only problem is we have a set of political scumbags and scalawags, making it a perennial scapegoat for their many official failings.